Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, we're breaking down last week's victory over the Detroit Lions with Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. And if enough time is around, uh, we will start breaking down the Vikings versus the Saints in London. So grab your Lake Monster beer and enjoy the show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I'm your host, Matt Anderson, joined alongside my co-host, Ryan Ortega, and producer Dave. Like every week here on Vikings Happy Hour, this show is sponsored by Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. I almost said Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, It's still pretty nice out for fall weather and they have some heaters out there. So if you're in the Twin Cities, be sure to head over there and grab your uh, Oktoberfest for this fall. I hear that is a great one, though I have yet to try it. Um, As I mentioned in the pre-show tonight, graciously enough, joining us is Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. Matthew, how are you? I am doing well, guys. I am doing well. I think um, the difference between being 2-1 and 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 1-2 for these fans has, uh, has has had a big effect because I feel like my mentions on Twitter have not been on fire this week, which I think would be a, a little bit different if they were one and two. Yeah, well, I, I know that we, we don't have a whole lot of time with you this evening, so I want to just dive right in and get your thoughts on last Sunday's victory, which was a, a very narrow victory. Um, there's a lot of things that we can we can point to in that game. I think the Lions kind of gave us a couple breaks as well, um, especially when I think about Dan Campbell calling um, a timeout you know, on that final drive. But what are your thoughts about the victory on, on Sunday for the Vikings? Yeah, I think that um, Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell addressed it well by not um, celebrating too much <laughs> over that win. I mean, in the locker room, of course they should. After an intense victory, they should have a big victory speech and everyone should be happy. But then when they come out for the press conferences and they have to be real a little bit, it's like, okay, we got outplayed during that game. And there's a lot to fix. I mean, there's a lot, even if you just look at the box score and didn't even see how it went and you didn't see the number of uh, tense conversations going on on the sideline and things like that during the game. And you only just looked at Kirk Cousins yards per attempt, Justin Jefferson, three receptions in the game on six targets and things like that. Uh, there was plenty of reason. Uh, and not only that, but the yardage that Detroit put up uh, both through the passing game and on the air or uh, through the air. And then you, you look at, uh, you know, they did a good job on third downs, but not a great job on fourth downs, except for at the at the very end. They were given an early Christmas gift by Dan Campbell because even if he punts the ball away, that's a better option for Dan Campbell than to um, you know have them kick that that long and unlikely to be made uh, field goal. So there's a lot of reasons to sit here and say that uh, in the big picture. Two and one is really good for this team. In fact, if you looked at those first three opponents, I think a lot of us probably would have picked two and one. And I know that I did. And and this might be the first time I've ever picked the first three games or maybe even three games in a row correctly. Uh, But this is where I thought they would be. (laughs) But from the micro, there's a lot to put under a microscope for this team in the week leading up to their game against New Orleans and say, if that continues, you are going to lose some of those games rather than uh, than win at the last second like they did against Detroit. Yeah, I agree, Sorry. Matt. You know, I, I take a look at, you know, the, the game, and I guess my perspective here a little bit is just that you got to beat those teams, right? You Like, you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and traditionally over the last couple of years, we haven't been able to. Or, you know, we squeak by one here, two here, uh, but like, again, Detroit last year, we lost to them uh, in, in the second game of the year against them. And to be able to, I guess, claw our way back after playing so poorly, I think in the first three quarters was, I think, a positive sign. But the first three quarters was just like, what are we doing on defense? What are we, what, you know, and, and a lot of people want to call out uh, O'Connell's play calling and, and whatnot. I, I just watched back that game earlier today while I was working. And you could definitely tell that there was they, they were schemed open. There is there is plays to be made that just weren't being made. Um, do you have any more insights into that? The play calling, 
was it actually working? We just missed the plays or am I off base here a little bit with what I saw in terms of, you know, what, what were we just not calling the right plays? Yeah, I think that evaluating whether someone is doing the right things with play calling is probably one of the toughest things to do from the outside. It might even be one of the toughest things to do from inside the building because, like you said, I mean, you can look on that tape and you can say, oh, well, I see this guy open or this guy's open. And maybe if you're a coach, you could say, hey, there was uh, opportunities to be had. Why weren't you delivering the football? But the players might be saying, well, that wasn't the read or that wasn't how I understood the read or where someone was supposed to be lined up or a number of different things that could result in that. Uh, I do think that in back-to-back weeks, teams playing Justin Jefferson the way that they did is a pretty big factor um, to put somebody on him right on the line of scrimmage and then have him bracketed with a safety for essentially that entire game. I don't know. Maybe they didn't expect that from the way that Detroit had previously played defense. And they mentioned after the game, they said, like, yeah, we saw some things in Detroit that were much different than anything that we had prepared for. And I think that might be uh, what it references. I also think that when you have a new offense – that is much more complicated than the offense before, the one that everybody was really uh, fluent in, considering you have mostly the same players on offense, and then they all had to learn something new. There's bound to be bumps in the road. The thing is that the Vikings can't really afford that for a team that brought back Kirk Cousins and wants to go to the playoffs and, and set the standard at returning to the postseason and being a legitimate contender um, if if they don't, they don't play make that play to KJ Osborne, we are really talking about like what is going on. How are they going to fix this? They're in a big hole. It's amazing how one game can really swing things in the NFL because now I think there is some room for error a little bit. But you also don't want to see week after week Kirk Cousins having to call a timeout because people can't figure out where they're supposed to be lined up. And I, I thought on a, a number of occasions, it looked like Kirk Cousins wasn't exactly sure or wasn't really definitive with his actions about where he was going to go with the football because that was a good offensive line performance, I thought. I, he had plenty of time to throw on, on a bunch of occasions, and there were times yeah. where it looked like, well, this I'm just not seeing what I thought I was going to see, and now I'm going to throw it away or hold the ball too long. I think it's really telling that Cousins has held the ball for a long time, yet his average depth of target is not very far, which I think sort of tells you either that he hasn't made an adjustment to the offense or to what defenses are doing so far and trying to separate the quarterback's role in this along with like the play calling and how the offense was taught and how everyone understands it and the adjustments they have to make, I think it's very difficult. I mean, because in this game, they were running bootlegs and things like that uh, with CJ Ham out there and a tight end. And they were doing some things that actually looked very Kubiak-like in that game that maybe were to help Cousins try to feel a little bit more comfortable with where he was supposed to go with the ball. And still, it seemed like there was a lot of I'm going to throw it to Ham. I'm going to throw it to Johnny Munt. I'm a little more comfortable with these throws. And, and I also felt like there were times when I watched the game back where he would hit the back foot. And I thought, if the ball comes out right here, there's a possibility for a guy to make a big catch. But the ball didn't come out. And then it ended up going somewhere else. And I, I don't know if that's uh, just Cousins being Cousins because he does have a tendency to do that at times and and not be definitive and check it down and things like that, um, or if that's not the receiver not being where he thought he was going to be or the coverage not where he thought he was going to be. I mean, the, the bottom line is whatever explanation fits it needs to be resolved and <laughs> needs to be resolved right. quickly against New Orleans because if you win this game, I mean, you feel really good about the beginning of the season. If you don't, you're much more looking at going into the bye at probably 500. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to I want to go back to one of your comments because we, we talked about how teams are trying to take Justin Jefferson out of the equation. Obviously, K.J. Osborne last season stepped up in a big way to pretty much, you know, make his mark on wide receiver three. Adam Thielen is Adam Thielen, though he is aging, but uh the, the the question I wanted to ask you tonight is do you have any concerns with Irv Smith? Because he's obviously made some some pretty key catches. Um he had that touchdown in Philadelphia and then I think he, he made a really good uh sideline catch last week. But he's also had some 
some drops in. I don't know if it's just him not being, um, you know, not playing football for a year coming off of that, uh, that meniscus injury, or if this is really who Irv Smith and Irv Smith is, and we can't really rely on him. Yeah, I think with the offensive line playing halfway decently so far that Irv Smith has become the favorite whipping boy of all Vikings fans on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and and I yeah, look, I, I mean, I think it's fair for the way that he's played so far. I mean, it, there was one play in particular where uh, they double teamed Justin Jefferson. There was no throw to be made. It was just great coverage from Jeff Okuda. The safety's over the top. So Cousins just kind of flips the ball to Irv Smith. And the, the flip is perfectly accurate, and Smith just can't bring it in. And those are the balls that you expect him to be able to bring in. But it isn't just that he missed the year with the meniscus. He also missed almost all of training camp, all of the full-speed reps. He couldn't take any of them. And in previous years, for players that I've seen miss that much of training camp, it's been a big deal. Uh, Latavius Murray was a good example in 2017. He missed almost all of training camp. And for maybe the first four or five weeks until he had a kind of a breakout game, he looked like he was running in mud. And then all of a sudden it came back to him. So I think that we have enough of a sample size on Irv Smith Jr., whether it was the training camp from last year heading into the season or his first couple of seasons to suggest that he's better than this and that he can be a tight end one. Um, I think that if I'm ranking, like, are you concerned about whatever, uh, I'm not really willing to put that one at the top yet until I see more and more. And I think it's fair for Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips to use Johnny Munt and use Ben Ellison until Irv Smith is really 100% because he does not look like the Irv Smith that I was expecting to see. But also, I think when you understand the circumstances, uh, I, I think it will get better as the season goes along. I think it's probably more feeling that I would be looking at and wondering, are teams deciding we're just not going to take him seriously anymore um, and putting everything on Justin Jefferson? Because that's what it looks like. And uh, I think that if they do that and Thielen can't make them pay, that it will be a long year. Because Kirk Cousins is not the type of quarterback who's going to say, double team, who cares? Uh, that's just not Kirk Cousins. It never will be. Uh, and I think that maybe, you know, if you're comparing, people like to compare him and Matthew Stafford. Like, that's the difference between them, right, is that Stafford has the arm and the mentality to just throw it anyway. And that has never been who Kirk Cousins is. But he's always had, if Diggs is doubled or Jefferson is doubled, He's always had Adam Thielen there beating one-on-one -on -one coverage and being the guy he could rely on. Um, so I haven't looked super, super close at Thielen and all of his routes to decide kind of what I think of that yet. I want to give it a bigger sample size. But um, if we continue like this and good games for Adam Thielen are like 60 yards, then we're going to have to start asking, like, is this going to be something that they have to make an adaptation to, to figure out? Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, last year, uh, K.J. Osborne was really, really effective as the slot receiver. And he was kind of a pure slot receiver. You look at his numbers when he was in the slot versus outside. They're way, way better. Uh, are they doing the same things or not? Because at least at, at this moment, it looks like Osborne's running a lot of downfield routes. And I think that he is more of a get the ball in his hands and makes plays guy. And I wonder if that's just Kevin O'Connell kind of figuring out where everybody is. I mean, it is a long season, um, and but it kind of happens fast, right, for the coaching staff. They have to make adjustments pretty quickly, uh, and, I, and I think this week that kind of starts of maybe a little bit of splash of cold water, like, okay, it's two weeks in a row where the offense wasn't that effective. You have to figure out why. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, I was sitting at the game on Sunday, and to, to, to your point, right, you're literally watching them double-team Justin Jefferson every single time in one fashion or another, and you're watching the routes of the other two main receivers that we have on the team. And, again, I'm watching from the stands, right? So, you know, I'm doing my best to kind of keep tabs on everyone. Thielen seemed like he was winning some of those reps and either just wasn't getting the look because he was last in the progression um, or not – or he's having to win with jump ball, you know, 50-50 balls. And again, to your point, that's just not Kirk Cousins' game. Like, if you're not open, like wide open, he doesn't necessarily want to throw that ball. So, um, luckily, Adam did make a bunch of really difficult plays. Um, you know, 
difficult catches and, and whatnot this game. Uh, KJ Osborne, that that huge one before the touchdown, I was surprised Kirk threw that ball. I was like, what are you doing? Because it looked like it was going right into double coverage, but I didn't really see the the, the configuration of how you know the safety was going to be moving up with Jefferson and stuff at the time. So again, good play design, but uh, it's just kind of interesting. We really need those other two to step up. We've been calling for it that you know we need probably to bring in the heir apparent to Thielen, and we uh, to your point, we we might be a year too late. Like we might have waited one two year one year too long. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely won't go. Um, I told you so yet on that, um, but <laughs> it has been a thing that we've wondered about. Like the Los Angeles Rams are a good example, and they're kind of the team that we have to because of the connections compare the Vikings to. The Rams always said one more receiver and the Vikings one more receiver answer was, gosh, who was the guy that they cut in training camp that basically never played? Albert the the veteran. Albert Wilson. Uh, Albert Wilson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, um, you know, the Internet's favorite wide receiver, Amir Smith-Marset, but he was probably never going to be a difference maker there. I mean, that's not like drafting someone in the first or second round, a wide receiver who could be that extra guy. Uh, if Thielen you know, doesn't have 100% of what he used to. And I think that you see, like you mentioned, there were two plays in particular where he made very, very high difficulty catches. And I think that his ability to catch the football is still 100% of what it was. Kind of reminds me of maybe like Larry Fitzgerald in his older age where they had to run mm-hmm. him underneath, run him out of the slot, and he was still effective. But I think if you're Kevin O'Connell and you're just learning about these players – I mean, maybe your whole plan was built around him winning on the outside and being that next guy in the progression, as you mentioned, uh, next to Jefferson. And now there just has to be some adjustments. But you can't put everybody in the slot. I mean, that's the thing is like we're saying Osborne <laughs> needs to be in the slot. Thielen needs to be in the slot. Jefferson needs to move around more and be in the slot. Like, well, they're going to have to uh, figure out that balance, right? And uh, how can you take advantage of if you have a Marshawn Lattimore who's following you into the slot? Well, what can you do in other areas of the field to take advantage of that? And, you know, maybe maybe some of it does have to be going back to some of those bootlegs and play actions. And it was kind of clear to me you know, when I looked back on it on film, like they pulled out the Gary. They pulled out that Gary stuff and they started <laughs> running some boots. And I, and I think that, that that should have always kind of been the plan. But I totally understand why Kevin O'Connell would say, let's throw him the whole thing and then pair it back rather than me trying to copy what Gary did and what yeah. Clint did and what Kevin Stefanski did. Um, so I think that there's certainly reasons with this offense to be like, hmm, is this going to be what people wanted it to be in imagination land when they thought, oh, Cousins can win MVP and this will be just the top five offense? Like, I don't think it was ever going to be that. But I think this is one where it has the potential – to grow quite a bit from where it is. And that kind of, you know, dials back to the win and how important the win is. Because if they didn't get that win, then we'd be saying it's it's desperation time to figure that out. And you got to do it now. Um, with Without the win, even if you don't beat the Saints, it's like, well, you're 500, you got Chicago. Uh, Miami's going to be extremely tough, especially in Miami. But if you go into the buy at 500 in the NFC the way it is now, it's not a complete disaster, right? And you can still feel like long season, plenty of time to go. So I think that this is all kind of part of a process that we have not seen in a long time because it's just been Zimmer. And since 2019, it's just been hand off to Delvin and run the boots. And so now we're seeing kind of in real time, a new coach, an offensive mind, try to solve these problems that have been uh, created. And and I think uh, part of it is maybe him discovering that you know, some guys' reputations from years past aren't exactly who they are now, and there's going to have to be adjustments to that. Matt, you like playing chess. I sort of view this as we now have a new guy playing chess and Kevin O'Connell. He's now trying to get a feel on how to use his pieces to better win football games, and we're still in the process of that learning <clears throat> as he spins up to get to tournament ready, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And so the way that it works in chess is you prepare openings, basically, like in the same way that you prepare your first 15 plays in the NFL. So you prepare 
But then you have to be ready to adapt at a moment's notice in chess when the opponent does something that's different from the, they call it a line, but from the, from the line, like if I do this move and they do something that I didn't expect, well, now I have to adapt. And usually what that results in in a chess tournament is you see the person really slow down their pace and really think deeply about what I have to do here. And that's kind of like Kevin O'Connell, don't sleep on the plane, my friend. You got to think deeply about how you're going to solve some of these problems. Uh, and and I don't know that I have like a clear answer. I mean, because we have often said, well, if you believe in Kirk more, then you will get rewarded more. If you lean into the passing game, if you run guys in motion more, if you do all these kind of modern things. Um, but then I think we also need to respect Gary Kubiak's history and know that you know, Gary was not a fool. I mean, he, he made a lot of quarterbacks look good. I, I think that he understood some of the things that are strengths and weaknesses of Kirk Cousins, and he understood them really, really well. That, you know, that one play to Ben Ellison is a great example. And, of course, everyone goes, oh, man, he threw it to Ben Ellison. But, like, <laughs> he runs a play action there, and there's a little bit there's a little bit of pressure, but it's not a ton. And you've got your three levels. You have Justin Jefferson coming underneath. You got Ellison in the intermediate, and then somebody else was running deep. Maybe it was Thielen. And Cousins makes the right read and really makes a terrific throw. And it gets a first down. It's like he knows how to do those things. He is so good at those. He, I don't know if he's great at sitting back in the shotgun all the time and just directing traffic and changing protections and doing all these types of things. Like I don't think that you necessarily want him looking like he's Warren Moon in the run and shoot and just the guy who's in complete command of the entire offense. I think you do have to have training wheels to some extent to get the most out of him and then you know take advantage of the chances that you get. So I think that like there's a lot of maybe maybe people um, coming to grips a little bit with reality that the last coaching staff wasn't completely foolish. And maybe Kevin O'Connell is one of those people who's recognizing that, but also, (laughs) but also the opportunities are absolutely there to still have a really good season on offense. I think it's just that the idea that they were going to have this like magical new age offense that all defenses were going, what? Like the kazoo kid, if you ever have seen that, um, that gif on Twitter, but like, I don't think that's going to be what this is. That doesn't mean they can't be better, and it doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs and be really competitive. I just think that um, they're sort of realizing there are some things we have to dial back, and maybe this has to look a little more like the Jared Goff version of the Rams offense than the Matthew Stafford version. Sure. Um, I I know you only have a few minutes left with with us, so I'm going to spam you with like five questions, and then you can just you can whip them all off. So the first one, I saw it in the chat there. Uh, earlier on are you going to london for the game this weekend um by the, the way second, the, the reason i gotta run real quick is because my wife is calling volleyball minnesota gophers volleyball on big 10 network so oh successful fantastic. wife guy over here yeah 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 <laughs> um that that's actually really cool i might have to turn on the big 10 then and, and take a listen after the show um are you going to london what are your thoughts on dalvin cook potentially trying to play through this shoulder injury and and should they potentially rest him what are your thoughts on the vikings game this weekend and then just hit us with a score prediction and and we'll release you okay so i'm not going to london and the reason why is a guy who works for me jonathan harrison who works as a producer for purple insider is a huge soccer guy he works for minnesota united and this is like a dream trip for him so he said, what do you think about me going and covering the game? And I was like, let's do it, man. That's awesome. So he's going to go to the Manchester United Stadium. He's going to go to a soccer game over there. And then he's going to cover the game. So I will sit home and maybe potentially go see Mahomes and Brady at U.S. Bank Stadium. (laughs) Um, That looks like it's really like could happen. And if that happens, I'm going. Uh, So, you know, that'll work out for everybody. But he'll be over there. So I've got my Purple Insider correspondent. Uh, I don't think Delvin Cook should play. Because Alexander Madison is solid, and because if you hurt Delvin Cook more, it's just going to be the same story with him where we're talking yeah. about, well, Delvin was great when he was not hurt and then you know struggled uh, after a while. And as far as how this game ends up playing out, I think it really depends on whether Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston plays. If Jameis Winston plays, I will pick the Vikings to win by 17 points. 
if Andy Dalton plays, hmm, I don't know. Like, I, I give me a coin flip <laughs> because part of the reason is because this Ed Donatel defense is asking the opposing quarterback, can you complete five, six, seven passes in a row, short throws? And I think the answer for Andy Dalton is actually yes. I do not think that Jameis Winston can throw 40 passes without throwing three interceptions. Uh, but I think that Dalton is kind of built for that. It's just like yep. get the ball to his playmakers, throw it underneath and hit one big play. I mean, they honestly beat the Vikings with that exact same strategy when he was playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so I think that that is much more of a coin flip. And if I were to, so I'll give you, I'll give you the two different predictions. If Jameis Winston <laughs> plays, I think the Vikings win 28 to 10. And okay. if the if Andy Dalton plays, I still think the Vikings win, but I'm going to say much more like 24-21. I think it will be close. Um, but uh, I get you know I we'll see. I mean, it, Winston talking today. He, what is he had four different injuries? So not only is the guy an interception machine to begin with, but playing through four injuries. I mean, I I think that they're they should be leaning heavily toward Andy Dalton, but that that's gonna that's two different things for me. They also might be down to their their two wide receivers. I heard that Landry and and Michael Thomas were both uh, did not practice today, so I think that's another thing that the Vikings fans can keep an eye on. Yeah, and with uh, Zadarius Smith not practicing, that kind of raises an eyebrow a little bit there too, as well. Like, is that going to be a thing? Because if if Andy Dalton plays, you have to pressure him and. Uh, Who's going to do that? <laughs> like aside from Daniel Hunter, uh, because they're clearly not going to play a defense that's going to blitz all the time. So I think that you know this is a this is a matchup of a Vikings offense that needs some solutions versus a New Orleans defense that's pretty legit, but a New yeah. Orleans offense that does not have any solutions really without those wide receivers um, and a defense for the Vikings that's you know, giving up a ton of yards. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think it is a fairly close matchup and, and really overall, it's a team last year that went nine and eight versus a team last year went eight and nine and two teams that could be battling at the end of the day in not that hard of divisions, I guess, um, for playoff spots. So this one could end up being big. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I think it'll, uh, <clears throat> it'll set the tone for, for the next few weeks, depending on, on what the outcome is. And, Viking fans will will likely panic on a loss, but then feel a little overconfident if if they win. So, um, before we let you go, anything you're working on over at Purple Insider that you want to share? Uh, yeah, I mean the usual stuff. Uh, I see that you put the little logo at the bottom there. I did just launch a new show called Hot Routes with a Z uh, because there were other shows named Hot Routes, and because I grew up in the '90s and all the rappers spelled stuff with Z's. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that, yeah, I launched a new show just because I couldn't talk enough about football. So that one's more focused on the rest of the league, but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll be covering it. And I just talked to a bunch of linemen today about Brian O'Neill's ability to recover when he gets beat. So that's something that I'm going to be putting out a little later in the week that uh, I'm excited about because asking offensive linemen about technical stuff is great because they're the only <laughs> ones in the world that understand it. So, um, you guys can look forward to that one. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. So, well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for, for hopping on for a short half hour. We'll have to get you back on again later this season. Um, if, if time allows. So thank you. Sure Thanks, thing, guys. Appreciate having me. Mm -hmm. Uh, for everybody still here, uh, you can follow Matthew Collar on Twitter. If you're not already at Matthew Collar, um, and follow his work on purple insider. It's, it's great stuff. Uh, very detailed, and I am very excited to hear about that Hot Routes uh, episode with, with the really offensive cool, linemen. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I I love the, I love seeing like players' perspectives. You know, anybody can just grab a mic like you and I and just sit up here and, and, and talk. It's just a little bit of prep that goes into that, but to get a player's perspective who's lived it for as long as they have and and, and been in that grind, you know that that is. That's, that stuff should cost money, but that was really cool about our episode last week, uh, where right. you know we had we had Glover Quinn on, and honestly, it, it went a different route than maybe I initially predicted when when uh, we said we were going to book him. Uh, in terms of we we did go into a bunch of kind of technical stuff, the differences between the four three and three four, uh, but not just you know the 
you know, the baseline differences. We, I think most of us understand the baseline, but like the nuance of how that changes the inside linebackers uh, mentality, the outside linebackers mentality, the safety and, and everything like that. So it's, it's a, it was really uh, insightful. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about that kind of stuff and didn't catch last week's episode, I do recommend you go check it out. Uh, it was a Viking happy hour last week before the Lions game with Glover Quinn. Well, and you talk about line play. Matthew has on every Tuesday, Jeremiah Searles, and they specifically talk line play. And he took that from when he was in Score North, right? They used to do yep. it there. And Score North has continued it as well. And uh, if you like line play like I do, um, <laughs> it, it's you mark your week with it as to explain, and, hey, this is what this guy's doing. This is, you know. Hey, maybe Ed Ingram overset on this one. This can be fixed, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And they go into the, some of the techniques about it on how the blocking, if they form a wall, if they do this, if they're double teaming. And you get to learn how that play is so important, how to better watch the football game because you can yeah. appreciate it because you'll catch glimpses of it and go, oh, I know exactly what he's doing. That's cool. Check that out. You know, we all love the big pancake blocks, right? Because they're great. (laughs) But you can see the whole offensive line work together, and you go, wow, this, you know, this 2022 season, they're working together better. We've got a nice young rookie, Ezra Cleveland's doing well. We've got two tackles that are playing pro bowl level type football. You know, very good. You know, very good stuff. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while I have while I have everybody before we transition to to our con- continued coverage of the Vikings here, uh, thank you last week Ryan for hosting in my absence. The show was great, so if you guys missed it, please go check it out. And while you're over there on Climbing the Pockets uh, YouTube page, make sure you like, subscribe, turn on notifications when we go live. We're here every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Time. Um, I feel like I kind of know your thoughts, Ryan, on the Lions game, so I'm not going to linger on it too much longer. Um, and and I think I think we'll just move forward to to the Saints game this week. I think Matthew did a, a great recap of uh, kind of you know the two potential scenarios that we could see this weekend if the Saints start Jameis Winston or if the Saints start Andy Dalton. Uh, but are, is there any other thing that you are looking for in this upcoming game that? fans should you know keep an eye on yeah um before we do that i do just want to say one thing about the lions um is yes it was a close game yes we played poorly but i do want to give credit where credit's due the lions are a good team like this isn't the lions of like the 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 whipping boy lions anymore like this isn't going to be an easy out for us that's not the bears it's not, yeah, like the Bears. I mean, even the Bears this year are even putting up, you know, you know, they they're two and one actually. They're they're the same, yeah. <laughs> they're they're the same record as us. But like, yes, we should be able to handle the Bears relatively easy. But this isn't the same Lions team of old, right? So let's give a little respect to to the fact that we did win this game. Uh, that yes. that team plays hard, and that culture there is is turning into more of this. Like we're gonna. We're going to grind this out every week. And yes, Dan Campbell probably lost that game for them uh, just with the over-aggressiveness that he took in, in, in his play calling and his decisions. Uh, but to be able to persevere and overcome a bad, like I said, basically two quarters for sure. Was, we were bad first quarter. We were bad third quarter. Mm-hmm. And we were able yeah. to overcome that and, and come in and, and win that game. Um, I think Again, I'm not sitting here like overly celebratory on this, but I am happy that we we were able to pull that out because I think that is a quality win, not a great win, but a quality win. Um, to, to to your question on the Saints um, and, and key matchups, maybe to look for outside of you know the the quarterback situation. Again, their defense is quite strong. Uh, Cameron Jordan over the years has been a, a, a havoc for not just against us but just the league in general but this is the first time in I don't know how many years maybe since Phil Wodeholt was playing that I'm like not worried about any pass rush at this point in time right now and, and of course yes, 
I mean, maybe maybe if there's like some elite internal defensive lineman that's on the other uh, on the other side, yeah, I'm still not 100% confident internally. But on the bookends, these DNs, uh, Cam Jordan and uh, Joey Bosa and, and Nick Bosa and you know all these guys, yes, we need to respect them, and yes, they're going to get our number here and there. But I I'm not sitting here saying like. God, we really need to like worry about like chipping these guys. We need to really worry about getting a good pass blocking running back in there, right? A pass protection running back. Like I, I think that they can hold their own. And if they can't, I think, you know, we're, we're sitting in a better, I think a little bit of a better Kirk Cousins right now where he's able to realize that, understand it and navigate his way around it, whether that's a throwaway, a dump off, or again, escaping and, 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 and make the play downfield. So yeah. Um, so that's something to look at. Of course, the secondary matchups, always a tough one against the saints. They got a pretty legit secondary, um, especially Marshawn Lattimore, who is going to travel with Justin Jefferson. So can Justin Jefferson get this like pseudo yips off his back? I mean, he, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, sure. He's getting open at times. And yes, he is getting double, double covered at times. He's dropping passes too. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit here. I know he's our superstar and, it should all be rainbows and sunshine with him, but he's dropping passes uh, and he's making mental errors and uh, he needs to get these quote unquote yips out of the way and, and start delivering on some tough 50, 50 balls because he hasn't been doing that over the last two weeks. So it, it's funny that you bring that up because I, I wasn't necessarily going to talk about it. Um, I thought about maybe making a tweet about it because people were talking about like how Okuda like shut Jefferson down. And I'm not saying that Je- Okuda didn't play well last weekend against Jefferson because he, he absolutely did. Um, but we saw this with Jefferson last year too, um, early on in the season. Just some some small mental mistakes. I remember sitting on the show with you asking you, Ryan, if we should even be if we should be concerned about Justin Jefferson in like his drops, because he they were they did happen pretty frequently early on in the first, you know, two, three games last year. So maybe it's just a you know, early season butterflies type of a thing. Um, I know, I know Kevin O'Connell had to sit down and kind of talk with him last week to be like, Hey, you know what, when you're this good, this is the kind of attention you're going to get. And we're just going to have to keep working through it. Um, doesn't mean you're not a talented receiver. It just means that teams are going to try and take you out of the, the ball game. But I, I, I do wonder if, if we see him turn a corner here and maybe two weeks of consecutive, you know, underperforming games for Justin Jefferson, will will make him turn the corner a little bit uh faster i should say um yeah. i mean and, 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 I w- he started the year on a tough stretch too i mean if you think about number one corners jeff Okuda, we he hasn't been anything yet in his nfl career because of injuries and being in the doghouse and whatnot but you know he was highly touted i mean he was a top what, top six top seven pick or something like that for the lions um, yep. So he's a highly top 10 for sure. Um, and then, you know, you had Jair Alexander. I know he didn't travel with him, but you had Jair Alexander um, and then Darius Slice. And, and then now you're going into Marshawn Lattimore. So, I mean, you're not talking scrubs here. Like, you, you know, the, you've got quality corners uh, that he's going up against. And this is how you prove you're the best receiver in the NFL. If he wants to continue to prove that, he's got to put up against these big time receivers. And again, I know it's not just these guys. They got safety coverage over top almost every single time. So that does make a huge difference. But, hey, if you're commanding double team every single time you're running routes, you're doing something right. Yeah, yep. Triple teams at times. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there, there were a few different instances in last week's game where it was just like, wow, they are, they are really going to make sure that Justin Jefferson does not get this ball, which I guess made me a little disappointed that uh, – there weren't better results when you got three defenders uh, circulating one player on your team. If you can't find the opening, um, slightly concerning, but to, to Matthew Collar's credit uh, or to Matthew Collar's point, I should say um, it's a new offense. And I, I think it's just going to take th- this team a little bit to get rolling, but uh, they, I think they dodged a bullet uh, by winning this last week. Um, the other thing I gutsy by winning because they didn't the Vikings. Out. Yeah, they kept fighting until the end. And that's yeah, that what I did right? yeah. They got hit in the face, and then they came back swinging. And they got hit in the face again, and they refused to go down, and they came back swinging. 
until they delivered the knockout blow late. That's what I want to see attitude-wise from the team as a whole, and that's what we got. That is a good sign for the rest of the season. I mean, you look at the boxing terminology, right? They took those blows and they took those blows and then they countered and countered, (laughs) took some more. And again, you got to remember, like, I mean, it is a very emotional game, right? So when you get a team on fourth and three and you're thinking you're coming off the field and they go for it, you know, I think the first one they went for was like fourth and six and they convert, right? That was the first time they scored. Um, And then the next time around fourth and two, they convert fourth and one. They I mean, Hey, like that mentally, that messes with your mind. So for them to have that mental toughness to get through that, um, and again, late in game, now you're having these fourth and ones and you're stopping them when you have no other choice. Like if you don't stop them, game's over. And and they're able to do that, get the ball back, score, able to do that, hold them to a missed field goal and and score, right? Like that was absolutely, um, it, it was great to see that, that perseverance. Yeah. Um, we asked Matthew Collar this, and, and this will kind of be the last topic about this week's game. Um, cause I, I feel like he did a good, good summary and then we'll hop into lightning round. But we asked Matthew Collar this question. I also posted an article, uh, earlier today on, on climbing the pocket about Dalvin Cook and, and his injury with his shoulder. Um, we've seen this injury twice before, once back in 2019 and once last year. Um, he's been able to play through it, you know fine i guess i mean there's there's definitely instances in those games that he's he's battling through it where he'll need to come out um he's wincing um sometimes he doesn't finish the game sometimes he comes back it's kind of a crapshoot but i want to get your thoughts is lower if you what you say dave his production yards per carry it drops oh yeah i'm sure i mean plays with that with the the, it's a labrooks or whatever he's got an injured labrum and his Shoulder pops out of joint, partially pops out of joint. And the, the only way to fix it is through surgery. And he's never gotten the surgery. He, uh, it's a ligament deal. And so he it's painful, but he can hold it, especially with a brace to keep it in there. But generally when he does, his production goes down. Because one, he likes to get physical, as we saw, right? Yeah. And if if he knows it's going to hurt if he drives that right shoulder into it, he's not going to drive that right shoulder. And he gives up. And that's the debate is, do you let him play, even you, even though you know he'll say, yeah, put on a brace, shoot it up if you have to, whatever, I'm good to go, I want to play. Or do you put in uh, Maddie Alexander Madison, who seems to be playing his best football this year, which has surprised me, and just let let Cook rest. Yeah. So, so, so Ryan, based off those comments, what do you think? Do you, do you think Cook should play this weekend? Do you can. You, when do you think we asked this on Vikings hot takes last night too? But when do you think Cook should come back, or when should the Vikings allow him to? Yeah, I mean that's a tough call. Uh, you know, I'm not sitting. I'm, I'm not one to say, hey, you know, uh, sit this guy if he feels like he's gonna, can play and play well, right? I mean, obviously you got to be able to protect these guys from themselves at times, uh, especially when it comes to like concussions and things like that. But um, yeah, Madison's playing well, and we saw Ty Chandler play well in preseason, and we saw Kenny Wangu uh, play relatively well in the preseason as well. I mean, it's like we have the depth. So I don't necessarily think that you need to rush the decision here. Um, what's more important is if we can, again, if we can continue to stack these wins and, and get to a mm-hmm. point where we're, um, you know, we're, we're a playoff bound and to have a healthy, um, have a healthy cook there is way more important than have a healthy cook against the Saints in, in week, you know, uh, four. Um, yeah. So, I'm on the side of just kind of sitting him and letting him rest that up. But again, to Dave's point, if it's not going to actually end up healing, if you don't actually heal without surgery, it's going to be the same in a week from now and two weeks from now and three weeks from now. I'm not sure it's less painful because, yeah, I mean, I actually have uh, dealt with a similar injury where my shoulders popped out like twice and I've never gotten surgery for it. It just kind of, Every now and then it does hurt, you know, when, when it gets bumped pretty good and things like that. So, again, not to the same magnitude. I don't have 300-pound <laughs> defensive <laughs> alignment tackling me and stuff like that. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, this is why you have depth at positions. And I think that we have the depth to be able to handle uh, in absence of him. Uh, and, and honestly, Dalvin was a pretty integral part of the offense last week, but the running back the running back hasn't been like the most important position like on this offense, right? We, that's what Collar was talking about earlier, where everything ran through Dalvin in the past. We don't yeah. really do that anymore. I mean, Dalvin got his last week, and he was a very integral part of that win. Uh, and, and Alex Madison was also an integral part of that win. Um, but like week one, I know Dalvin ran for 90 yards, but I, uh, like I said on the show that after that win, I didn't even notice because the uh, the big plays were coming from everywhere else, and it was more of grinding yeah. plays. And if you just need grind plays, Madison can do that. Chandler can do that. Uh, just grind, get four, five, six yards, get yourself in good field position and, and uh, down in distance positions. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I do wonder, you, you bring up a point about the uh, the Vikings offense, and, and it's not that Dalvin Cook has been – ineffective when he's played he's he's been efficient outside of maybe the Eagles game and, and they've they've addressed those comments but um I know we've talked about it before on this show as well but maybe Kevin O'Connell's offense is just a you know a, a slight variation of the Rams who are very comfortable using a running back by committee um because I've even noticed the the timeshare between Madison and Cook seems a little bit different than it had been in the past like I think Madison has come in to spell cook through three games more often than I have seen in previous seasons mm-hmm. um so barring whether or not you know cook is actually going to be healthy or not I'll be curious to see if that continues or if cook doesn't play how does Kevin O'Connell use the three-headed you know backfield of of cook Chandler and, and Wangu um it, it so it's just something to keep an eye on uh, because to your point, yeah, they, they are not featuring the running back. This is not Mike Zimmer. This is not, you know, the Kubiaks. This is Kevin O'Connell and he's going to pass probably more than he runs. So, yep. Any final thoughts before we head over to the lightning round, Ryan? No, just and Dave, I think you'll get, you'll like this, man. And I already briefly mentioned it. This offensive line's looking pretty darn good, and it's a breath of fresh air to see. Uh, again, I, I'm really happy that Darisaw is panning out for, like, you know, again, my prediction of, like, I think he's the second best tackle in this class. And um, Slater's still probably proven to be the top guy, actually. But I, I don't think Darisaw is much far behind him, and he might be ahead of Penny Sewell. I don't know. Uh, you know, Penny Sewell looked pretty darn good against yeah. us last week too against uh, uh, Daniel Hunter. But um, like, hey, you, you got three stud tackles from this class, and we got the one that was picked twenty what third, twenty six. If I remember correctly, it was right around wow. 26. Yeah, it was, I know it was late, but yeah, I mean, and so we got the one that didn't cost us the top ten picks. So because right, we dropped uh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty awesome. So uh, well, outside of that, yeah, yeah. part of that, part of that is Kevin O'Connell. Um, part of it is our offensive line coach, but with Kirk Cousins more in shotgun, that gives Garrett Bradbury more time and room to set up, right? His pass blocking grades have improved. I've also noticed some techniques driven stuff improving. That comes from the line coach. The shotgun comes from Kevin O'Connell. You throw two decent uh, guards there with Ezra and Ed, yes, and Ed's average, a rookie right? who's learning, and he generally doesn't make the same mistake twice. He may have a bad game, and he may make mistakes, but you usually, usually see that fixed. Next game, it's just a different mistake, right? But he's learning, and the fact that he's a rookie playing in his first year against very veteran and very good defensive tackles, it's a good thing. And having those three play together – the two bookend tackles that are playing fantastic. Yes, the offensive line is looking better, and it warms my heart just as much as this. <laughs> love it. Love oh, it. man. All right. Well, I didn't go back and do a uh, a recap of the over-unders last week. Um, mm-hmm. I did watch it, but I just didn't I didn't do it for, the, for the, the pregame. So I have no idea how you did last week. But we'll just dive we in. We all want uh, did you? Yeah. On your over-under picks? I have no idea. 
Yeah, yeah. See, um, I, I said under. I know. I think all of us said under on Amonra St. Brown. Um, I think we all said under on DeAndre Swift, which I think is accurate for both of them. I don't yeah, think St. Brown, St. Brown had like 70 yards uh, receiving. Yep. Yep. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I think we said on. I think I said over, so I was wrong on that I think one. I did too. Um, Jefferson. Jefferson on targets, we are, I think, uh, most, I said over, I think everyone else said under, so I was wrong there. So, um, yeah, Damn so it. we did, we did okay. Well, let's see if you can do better this week. Dave, we're getting good at that timing. And sorry, I've been, I've been muting myself all night. I coming down with something. So apologize if I have to mute again. Um, We'll start with some over-unders, buy-sell, then predictions. It's lightning round here on Vikings Happy Hour. Ryan, uh, the first one for you is the Vikings defense with one and a half interceptions. You're taking the over or under. Uh, Caller pointed it out. If it was Winston, it might change things. And so we're going to we're gonna play this one as Jameis Winston is playing. Uh, I think I'm still going to just do the under. Uh, our corners, are, I don't think, are like playing with a ton of confidence right now. And just the way that they're playing defense right now, it seems more shell-like. And sure, that can turn into some interception opportunities, but it just doesn't seem like they're coming plentiful right now. Um, so I'm going to say the under. Okay, okay. Uh, Dave, what about you? If it's Winston, over. Okay. I will say Winston has thrown two interceptions in his, or more in his last two games. So I, I think I'm going to go the over two if Winston plays. Um, Adam Thielen, 95 receiving yards. Over or under? Gosh, I, you know, I think... I think under. Oh, go ahead. Dave says under. Because I think Justin Jefferson is going to have another big game. Okay. Yeah, I, I, can't, I kind of feel the same. I think Jefferson... I don't think he's going to have an explosion Green Bay game, but I do think he comes back to a little bit more of a normal uh, cadence of what he typically would do. And I think KJ Osborne also has an opportunity to actually have a decent game as well. So I think the ball is going to get shared a little bit more uh, enough where Thielen wouldn't have enough to get 95. I'm going to go with the over on this. And so last week I feel, I feel like the, the plan was for the Vikings to kind of feature KJ Osborne. When you look back at the tape, there's a lot of play designs strictly drawn up for him. Um, I feel like that was supposed to be the Eagles game for Adam Thielen, and it just didn't pan out. So I think they might give him another chance uh, this week while all the attention's still on Justin Jefferson. So I, I'm going to go over with Adam Thielen this week. Uh, the other one for over-under is 24 points by the Vikings offense. They're averaging 19.6 points a game this season. Granted, it's slightly skewed. It's only three games, but yeah. still, still. Um, I, I am. This is honestly one of the better defenses we'll play, right? Like, I mean, in terms of the three that we've seen. But for some reason, I'm just feeling like we're in London. People, you know, legs are going to be tired. Different time zone. I think that's advantage offense. So I'm going to go with the over. Okay. Okay. Dave. Over. Oh, and yes, yes. If, if you're still here watching this or listening to it, you can tweet at us and tell us what you think your over-unders are going to be for this game or just chime them out in the chat. I'd love to hear what you guys have to think. Um, so you both say over on the 24 points. I was going to look, and I, I didn't go See, back. See, I'm not that worried about the Saints' defense as a whole. Like you guys sound. I do worry about their offensive line and how they double-team <laughs> I, uh, I still think it's. I think this is going to be where Kevin O'Connell, right? We featured JJ in the first game, and then JJ's been shut down. And in the last game, we're getting more Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne involved. And the running game seem more rounded. I think he's. I think Kevin O'Connell and his whole plan is getting more cohesive on how to spread the wealth and how to change it up and. Kirk knowing where to change reads, you know, if Justin's double or triple, then he instantly knows to switch and look for AJ or for Adam or KJ and and the running game mixed in. I think I think it's a better all round and I think we get more production. 
Yeah. I was going to go back and look and see what the what the Vikings averaged in London. Not that it really matters, but uh, I, I feel pretty confident that they'll score more than 24 points uh, this weekend, so I'll take the over as well. Um, and are you, you're saying 23 and a half or 24 and a half? Probably 23 yeah, 20, and a half. 20, 20, 23 and a half, yeah. I probably should have changed that, but you know, and, what and you know what's funny is the uh, the uh, betting line right now, we're, we're, like we're minus six, three. right? Well, we're minus three with a betting line uh, over under is forty three and a half. So that would be essentially twenty three twenty would be like a, a, a winning game for us, where you know we're just hitting the thing. So that wouldn't make us over. So, but I think we do go over. All right. Uh, so let's let's switch over to buy sell quick here. Um, we've talked about these first two, uh, you know throughout these shows but we'll give it a whirl again are you buying or selling kevin o'connell's play calling through three games i think i did this a couple weeks ago too you're buying buying. it Mm -hmm. any any particular reason why again just watching the game being there live and watching guys run open uh and 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 winning their reps as well as on the playback when i do watch it on on uh you know at from home uh, it just seems like the the pl- the play calling is there, the execution isn't always there, and that's okay. You know, we're still learning this offense, but I think the play calling is there. I, th- I think you, I think you, I think you p- call out a very good point. I I do believe as well that the play calling is good. I think it's the execution and the newness of this offense that's led to uh, some some poor performances. I mean, they, they scored 24 points in, in two, two out of three games. So I'll take that most weeks, but um, yeah, I, I would agree. I'm buying it as well. Dave, how about yourself? Well, I'm buying it, but I, I think like I alluded to before, I think the play calling is getting better. He's learning more how to round it and use all the tools uh, available and maximize those tools when possible. And then, and bring in the team that way. Mm-hmm. He's going to fine tune it, and as he fine tunes it, the offense is going to produce more and more. And I think we're on that track, which is the track we want to be. That yeah. and throw in the whole gutsy win, we're not going to lose deal from last week. I think that helps. So I, I still, I still buy it. I like. All right, KOC. we'll stick with you right off the rip here, Dave, for this next one, just because yes. I know your answer. Uh, but are you buying or selling the offensive line? Buying. It's the best line we've had in <laughs> 10 years. 10 years? Well, I guess t- 2012. Who was on that offensive line? Oh, Khalil. Lodeholt. Lodeholt was oh. right tackle. You had, uh, I'm trying to remember who was left. Sullivan at was center? Dixon still there. You had Sully at oh, center. Sullivan was at center. Uh, Herrera, maybe? Was Herrera, Herrera was over at right guard, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Was was, uh, it, was, Ber- was it. Berger I mean, in there? 2017 probably graded out better, but that was just because that was a magic season and how um, what's his face played, and it was uh, no. I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy and getting happier by the week. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I think I know your answer. You kind of gave us a a, a little yep. bit of a. A sneak peek on this one so i think i think i'm buying it as well i bradbury is is playing pretty well with some competent guard play next to him we got two bookend tackles for the foreseeable future so things are looking up on the offensive line we can uh we can thank rick spielman that he 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 gave us that on his on his way out the door um uh my last one for you guys here are you buying or selling the vikings run defense and this one is a little bit of uh I'm kind of leading you in a in a in a weird direction because when you watch them, you wouldn't believe that the Vikings' run defense is very good, right? We've kind of been gashed through three games, but according to PFF, and I know that's not the end all be all, but according to PFF, they have the sixth ranked run defense. It's that blows my mind. <laughs> so, what does DVOA have? What? Are you buying or are you selling <laughs> this Vikings run defense? I'm not buying anything on defense. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. And until until I think uh, we you know get into year two of this defense, I'm not going to buy anything on this defense. I don't really trust yeah, I it. Think, yeah, not 
<laughs> I was I was floored when I saw that they were ranked sixth, and I would love to talk to our our former friend, not former, but uh, former PFF friend Eric Eager, just to figure out how why that's even even a thing. But uh, yeah, I I am selling it. We talked about it on Vikings Hot Take last night. Uh, huh. This this Vikings defense is is due for a rebuild uh, as soon as this season is over. So I would just be prepared for that. Know that there is more pain probably to endure as the season progresses with this defense, but uh, not that there can't be bright spots, which there certainly have been, but uh, they have not allowed a fourth quarter uh, touchdown this season uh, through three games. And so that, but not right. Dave, I, you're, (laughs) <laughs> um, your laughing tells me that you're selling this. Yeah. Um, as as we demonstrate on Saturday with me and Darren, when we go over the bulk stats, and like we say, we've only got three games. We're small sample size right now. So yeah. you got to take them with a grain of salt. But we compare PFF, DVOA, and then um, the normal Elias Sports stats, which are your box score that you see on ESPN, NFL Network, and stuff like that. They're not your advanced stats. They're the stats we've always had. And there's differences. And if you say PFF says we're six in rush defense, I just looked up football outsiders and their DVOA has us 31st in rush defense. (laughs) So there is a ginormous discrepancy there. Cue the tweet. Yep. So this is going to be, I think this game for the rush defense is going to be telling because we're going against Alex Kamara, right? And we know he gashed us mm-hmm. before. And they like, yeah. they like to use heavy offensive line sets where they're double-teaming guys, where they have multiple double teams because they'll keep in at least one tight end, if not two, and they're going to be taking up those linemen. How they do Sunday is a big test. I want to see it. I want to see Dalvin Tomlinson. I want to see Phillips. I want to see our ends. I want to see the linebackers choose the right gaps. And I want to see them stop Alvin Kamara. And they're right. Um, I think just just another PSA here. PFF is not the NLBL, and I think no. it's just important to note that no, for, none of them are. For, for fans that yes, yes, none of them are. But for fans that that really go by by PFF after a game uh, on on the weekend, uh, reel that in because it, we're seeing two drastic things on 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 one on one uh, statistic. So, all right, let's do our predictions here, and then and then call it a show. Uh, the records on the season, I, myself, I'm two and one. Miles two and one, Ryan two and one, media guest two and ex- one, two and one. For Dave. Dave took a sacrificial loss last yeah, week. But I actually thought we'd blow that. Yeah, one. I was wrong. Oh, okay. Dave is one and two. So, uh, we'll we'll get Miles's prediction sometime this week before before the game. But uh, I'll go first, and then I'll toss it to you, Ryan, because um, we already heard Matthew Collar. He thinks the Vikings win no matter what quarterback starts. Um, I'm also going with a win. I feel I, I keep saying it. I know I got roasted in the comments last night for Vikings hot takes, but I still think this Vikings offense has an explosion in them. And I don't know if it's going to be in London or if it's going to be in Chicago, but it's one of these weeks coming up. I just know it. It's it's going to be huge, but I'll reserve myself uh, this week and I'll go with a modest 27-24 victory over the New Orleans Saints in London. Right. Very good. Um, I have a slightly larger um, – I have a slightly – it looks like me and Mary are um, on the same wavelength here. I have a slightly larger win for us. I, I'm going to say 27-17 gets us to that money line. And, all right, uh, all right. It's a little bit on uh, on the the spread of you know the minus three or whatever. I'm I'm going away from that, but I'm sticking to the the over under on total points. So okay, okay, Dave, I'm taking the Vikings. I think it's around ten points. I hope it's something like thirty one twenty one. Well, actually, I hope it's something like thirty one 
seventeen. But okay. um, I think we, okay. I think Let's the offense is. I agree with you. They're they're due for an explosion, and I think that's all part of the rounding of how KOC is calling, where we're going to mix it up, not just we're going to take advantage of JJ if he's wide open. We're going to take advantage of Adam Thielen and KJ. If they're open and JJ's covered, we're going to take the Ben Ellison at the intermediate route. I think that all that's coming together, right? They're getting more comfortable yeah. with it. Yes, so they can. My produce. only fear is that it. My only fear is that it happens, and then we go to our bye week, um, and then it's we kind of lose that moment. A couple and, game, or a few games out. So. I know, I know, but that that's that's just my ultimate fear. So, um. Well, thank you guys for joining this evening. Uh, everybody in the chat, thank you for chiming in. Um, if you have not yet, like I mentioned earlier in the show, please, please, please go and follow, like, subscribe, turn on notifications for the Climb in the Pocket YouTube channel. We're here every Wednesday at 8 p.m. We'll be back next Wednesday. Miles will be with us. Uh, we'll see on a guest. It's always week to week, but there will be a guest in some form or fashion uh, whether that's just prediction or joining us for the whole show. Uh, with that being said, Dave, I'll let you clue the fans in on what's next, and we can put a wrap on it. What's next is uh, Darren and myself, two old bloggers, will be here Saturday, 4 o'clock, breaking down that game in London. I'm sure Darren will get his chance to talk Detroit as well. But we'll be looking at how we can win and how we're improving and, you know, Maybe go for some fish and chips or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> and then, of course, on Sunday, we have the game at 8.30 in the morning, Central Time. We will right be now. live with the final score at the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. Come join us. We are the first post-game show in the Viking sphere of video. So join us. We've got the best takes, and you'll have fun. And I'll probably be three or four beers or more in by the time we get. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. What do we say, guys? Skull Vikings. Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing. Home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.